You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. I want us to continue this series that we're calling Persevere. And really, this whole idea is based around what we see in the life of Jesus on the cross. Uh, and so as we go into Easter, I wanted to just really spend quite a few weeks just talking about Jesus. And so we decided to choose the text out of Hebrews 12. It's our theme verse uh, for this series. And let me read it because it kind of frames the idea of beholding, staring at, fixing our eyes upon Jesus and watching the way that he persevered on the cross so that you and I can persevere as we go through some awesome days and as we go through some challenging days. So Reads like this in verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. Can you say perseverance? Perseverance. With perseverance, the race marked out for us. In other words, you have a race to run. And Jesus had a race that he ran. Verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy of Set before him, he endured, he persevered, he went to the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then consider him, that's what we're doing, we're considering him, or I like the way that the message says it, study how he did it. Consider him, study how he did it, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. Oh, the sadness or tragedy if as a believer in the monotony of years and decades, you lose heart and you cease to endure. My prayer for you is that you would persevere. And I want us just to take these weeks and really fall in love with Jesus again. And really, as we go into the Easter season, and obviously on Easter Sunday, we're gonna celebrate the resurrection and the living savior that we have forever and ever. But we're taking seven weeks to really stare at the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And so Jesus spoke from the cross. And when we put all four gospels together, we have seven different things that he says. And so we studied the first one, Uh, where he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we talked about us forgiving others. And then we talked in week two about the moment where Jesus looked at the criminal on the cross and where he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then this week we have one that some might think is a bit obscure, but I believe there's a lot of meat. There's a lot of depth in the phrase that Jesus said here is he looked at his own mom and he said, he said to her to behold your son. And I want us to read that text. It's in John 19. We're gonna read it and then we're gonna pray and then we're gonna study it together. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to his disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Father, we love you today and we thank you for sending your son Jesus and we thank you for the cross that he died on where he paid the debt that, that, that forever transformed our lives. And God, today as we look at Jesus, we fix our eyes on our Savior and we pray that we would grow in becoming like him. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we would love 
even more, that we would pray even more, that we would look like you even more. And so intentionally, we fix our eyes even on this statement. We pray that we would mature and grow in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. When we look at this, it's the moment where Jesus, at the peak of pain, in all kinds of emotional, spiritual, and physical pain, looks down at his mother, his mom, and he recognizes, he cares about, and he speaks to his mom in the midst of his own pain. And he cares about her pain. He cares about what she's going through. And I don't know about you, but in my life, this is challenging to do. It's challenging to be in the midst of your own pain and care about the pain of others. I don't know uh, about how you feel when you get sick and you're in pain, but if you're like me, when I'm in pain, man, I just want to be pampered. I want like, hey, Renata, make me some soup. Hey, kids, make me some cards. Sing me a song. I am thinking about me. Take care of me. And for somebody else to talk about their own pain is challenging because you think about self, right? You think about, hey, all eyes on me. I'm in pain. Can't you see what I'm feeling? Don't you know what I'm going through? When uh, my brother and I were kids, uh, I was about 13 and he was eight. and We were the same size. And uh, we would wrestle. And uh, one time when my parents were gone, and so we actually had some other people over at our house, we were wrestling. And I'm going to tell you this story. He turns out to be fine. So don't have sympathy on my brother in this story. Just laugh with me, all right? So, so, so we're wrestling. And Dan, which we're great friends. I mean, you know, I can tell the story. He's on the team here, and we've been friends our whole lives. And so I can make fun of him in sermons, and it's okay. And so... Anyway, he hits his head on the corner uh, of the furniture and his head starts to bleed. And so it's all bloody and, and the, the guy who was taking care of us, he and his wife were there and he didn't know what to do, but he tried to escort Dan to the kitchen. Well, the blood had fallen from Dan's head. He was wearing shorts and he got blood all over his knees. Well, when eight-year-old Dan saw that there was blood all over his leg, he began to limp all the way <laughs> I stared at his leg, <laughs> wanting as much sympathy as he could possibly get until the moment where they washed away the blood and Dan was suddenly in shock, like, oh, what's the problem? And, <laughs> I think for all of us, when we're in pain, it's like, let me cry, I'll, I'll limp, I'll, whatever I got, just, I'm in pain, check me out, I need your help, and I want us to look at Jesus here because we've got this moment where it's the exact opposite of how I think we so often live. You've got Jesus who is enduring the pain that we cannot fathom. The author of Hebrews here is talking about how he endured, how he persevered. And you and I, we can't even begin to imagine not just the physical pain, and there is physical pain. I mean, to be whipped 39 times and just, just the, the shredding of the skin, to be beaten and, and literally blindfolded and then hit and mocked, really. And then to have, the scripture says that they actually like tore out his beard, like grabbed and tore out his beard. And I don't know if we can fathom what it felt like then to have even the crown of thorns or to have nails going to his wrists and to his feet. And Jesus is at the height of physical pain where just to breathe to even speak would be painful 
And so you can imagine everything that he spoke as his last words on the cross, I think, is got significance to it, in part because of the sheer pain that it caused the Savior to even speak. And I can only imagine not just the physical pain, but to spiritually to take on the sin of humanity relationally to imagine the crowds that you fed the crowds that you taught the people that you healed turn on you and yell crucify him potentially you've got these 12 disciples that you led that said we're with you to the end and one betrays another denies and all the others flee And here's Jesus, and he's on the cross, and he looks down at the height of his own pain, and he speaks to his mom, to Mary. And I want you to imagine the pain that exists in her heart, not because of her own experience of what she's going through, but because of what her son is going through. And then add to that her own journey, and think about the kindness of Jesus to recognize his mom's pain. We know that Mary, living in Nazareth, has the moment where the angel comes to him, and just about every Christmas, we talk about the potential scandal of a story where the angel says, hey, you're with child, and Mary then begins to navigate the conversation in Nazareth about how she's pregnant via the Holy Spirit, and potentially even the scorn that she experiences in that relationally. Or to then even imagine Joseph wanting to divorce her quietly and she has this wedding that's supposed to take place and then the shift in Joseph before Joseph has the dream. Or maybe then when Herod, two years later, has babies killed in an attempt to try to have every child die to make sure that Jesus dies and so Joseph and Mary flee to Egypt And they go live in a foreign land. I mean, you can imagine Mary, each one of those steps. I mean, the challenge. Not only that, but then Jesus grows up and we read in Luke how Jesus has people try to throw him off a cliff. I mean, it just keeps going all the way. All the way to Calvary, where here he is at the height And Jesus looks at the hands that she once held and walked her little boy down the street and took care of, and now he's got nails in his hands. And if you're Mary, oh, the the pain, oh, the suffering. And yet, here's Jesus, and he's got all of the pain spiritually, relationally, and physically. And I find in this moment the compassion, the affection, the gentleness, the warmth of a son who is dying for his own mother, like dying for the sins of humanity, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, and yet in the midst of carrying for her, his mom's eternal destiny, dying for her eternal destiny. In addition, he cares for the minutia of his widowed mom 
who needs someone to care for her. Do you see the greatness of Jesus? Do you wanna study how he did it? We wanna look at Jesus and imagine the magnitude, the magnitude of the statement, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He had the magnitude of the love for the, for the criminal and now the kindness and the gentleness and the care for his mom as Joseph has probably died. Most scholars believe that Joseph has died and that's the reason why we only hear about Mary and as Jesus begins his ministry, even in John 2, we just have stories of Mary but none of Joseph and most believe that Joseph at some point along the way died and now Mary is widowed and Jesus cares and that's what the first thing I want you to catch. Jesus cares about the minutia of Mary's life even while dying for the sin of humanity. And one of the things that the enemy comes to you and says is, hey, listen, God may be omniscient and God may be all those big words, but he's too busy to care about the detail of your life. My first desire for you in this text would be that you would catch this, that yeah, he is the God who cares about your eternal destiny and the eternal destiny of every person on the planet. And he is also the God who has the capacity at the same time to care about the smallest little desire, need, problem, future that you face. He is the God that has the capacity to care about global evangelism globally all over the world and the God who cares about your headache and the God that cares about your future and your car and your transmission and whatever it is. And so I want you to know when you see that, when you catch that, not only does it enable you to fall more in love with the Savior, but it, it also helps you to come to the Savior and just keep on asking and saying, hey God, hey God, I know you, you, I, I know you care about everybody worshiping one day. I know you care about the sickness that you've got today and every detail of your life. And I want you to see this. You serve a God who cares about the details in your life. And my hope is that not only would we fall in love with Jesus in the way that he cares like that, but in addition, that we would begin to embody what Jesus did as his church, where Jesus in the midst of his pain is able to care for someone in the midst of their pain. Sometimes what we do is we, in our heads, we begin to think, once I get everything right, then I'll have the capacity to care for others. Hey, once I get out of this job, hey, once I get a better job, hey, once my spouse gets a job, hey, once my kids graduate, hey, once my kids aren't sick, hey, once I have a car that works, once, da 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 you fill in the blank. One day out there somewhere over the rainbow, uh, sometime I'll have the capacity to care. Here's what I want you to catch. Jesus in the midst of excruciating pain cares about the pain of his mom. And so what would happen if you and I in the midst of a life that probably is not perfect, and everybody said amen. amen. A life that you, probably doesn't have all the relationships just right, probably doesn't have all the money just right, probably doesn't have all the tasks just right, the education just isn't perfect, and the automobiles don't work just the way they're supposed to, but you, in the midst of your pain, have eyes to see who can I help in the midst of their pain. That, that, when I believe when the world sees that, when people see that, man, 
It moves the heart, and they see Jesus in you. That's the dream. My sister, uh, Deborah, she tells the story. She went to, uh, when, we, when we finished high school, she went straight to YWAM and spent a season um, overseas. And she went to Bulgaria. And while she was in Bulgaria, and there she is, an American girl taking the good news of Jesus to some people that were extremely poor. But she hadn't packed well for the long season of being in Bulgaria. And she tells the story of a lady who had nothing, who was living in complete and entire poverty, who unraveled one of the only sweaters that she had, one of the only articles of clothing that she had in order to make socks for Deborah because her feet were cold. Here's the picture. There she was, and you could have argued that lady was in all kinds of pain, but instead she had eyes to see. Here's what I want to invite us to. I want to invite us to look around and open our eyes in the midst of your current pain. Like I know, you've got it. I know, things aren't perfect. Things aren't just right. But imagine you being like Jesus here, who though, <laughs> though he's got, I mean, we can't even fathom for me to stand up here and just take minutes on the physical pain of Jesus or the emotional pain of Jesus or the spiritual pain. Doesn't even begin to do it justice. It's almost embarrassing to talk about it. But even at the height for him to open up his eyes, I mean, if he can open his eyes, beaten, and he sees his mom at the foot of the cross, and he looks at her and says, behold your son. And there is the young man, John. And in so doing, he is taking care of his mom, the widowed mom in her older age, and making sure that she's cared for. You have a savior that still cares for you the way he cares for his mom. You have a savior who cares about your eternal destiny and has the capacity to care about the details of your life and you by virtue of fixing your eyes on him then become his hands and his feet in our culture where you begin to care about other people's details. Where you care about the little minutia of their lives even when you've got pain in your own. That's the way it says in Philippians 2. Rather in, humi in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Don't let your current pain dull your sensitivity to the needs of others around you. Don't let it grow dull because you've got so much going on. No, you will heal as you help. As you begin to help others, you'll be surprised the way that God starts to heal you and your passions become less about you and more about others. This another thing that is so great in this text is to see the language that Jesus uses when he says to Mary, behold your son. He uses family language. And then he looks at John and he's, this is your mother. And he uses this, this family relational language. That's one of the most beautiful things about being a part of the body of Christ is that Jesus unites us as family and we are family. And so that's a little bit different in America because one of the things that takes place in America is that we somehow begin to think of church not as family, but as a business, as, a, as like a restaurant. If you go to a restaurant and you go there and they give you bad service, you just never go back, right? You go, you go to a restaurant and it, your food's off, you're kind of ticked. 
right? But here's the reality about church. It's that we come to church and we're family. And when you're family, you're in this together. And you go through good days and bad days and you love each other instead of walking away when things go wrong. And so Dan's my brother. And so he'll have good days and he'll have bad days. I'll have good days and I'll have bad days. But we're brothers to the end, right? Well, our spiritual family, the body of Christ, we're in this together and it's Jesus that unites us. And Jesus, being what unites us, is far stronger than blood. It's eternal. It's what lasts forever. And so it is not just cheesy old people talk when you call one another brother at church. When you look at another and say, you're my sister, you're my brother. I started calling some of the ladies here mother, they prefer sister. So I'm just going with sister with everybody, all right? It's brothers and sisters, and that's what we are. Like, we're family. And this is one of the things that baffles the planet. When people see authentic love among us, it is so attractive. Like, when you see a family that really loves each other, it's attractive. Jesus said in John 13, he said, they will know you are my disciples by how you love each other. And so when there is real love, man, it causes the world to say, why? It causes the world to say, what's with that? And it is what they are longing for. And so we look at each other and you have some good days and you have some bad days, but we're family. We fight for each other and love each other, and it's a spiritual thing. It is not just, well, right now this is working well for me, so just like a department store or a restaurant, it works for a season, no? Even when somebody's on, in their darkest day, that's your moment to love, to forgive, to pray, to take care of. And I wanna highlight, finally, just, just this person at the foot of the cross, John, because clearly you've got this moment where Jesus speaks to his mother. He looks at his mom and behold your son. And, and I, loved, I, I love the phrase, you know, where he looks over at John and says, this is your mother and bring them together as family. And, but I wanna take just a minute and these first two ideas have been about how great Jesus is. And I wanna just kind of pivot and talk about the loyalty of John for a moment. Because this messed with me this week. Like I began to think about, here's this guy, John. And what does it mean for Jesus? He's got his mom there. And then there's basically three of Mary's friends. So you've got these four ladies and then you've got this young man, John. And when we read the scriptures, it's, it's, it's clear that they all fled like all the disciples in the moment that Jesus is arrested, they fled. That's what it says in Mark 14, 50, they all left him. And Jesus had actually said that at the last supper, I tell you, hey, you're all gonna leave. But when we actually read John's account, he was at the cross, which I just find intriguing because he did flee, but he ran back to the foot of the cross. And I was just meditating on the idea of there's Jesus. And you're carrying the sin of the world and six hours, excruciating pain on the cross. You've been beaten. You've gone through six trials. You've been arrested. You've been mocked. 
no doubt about it, this is his hardest day. And, and I was thinking about the idea of, of what are you feeling? Like, what are you feeling when Peter's denied and Judas is betrayed and nine others have fled? And you open up your eyes and John's there. Like, it's really nice to have a John when all you can think of is Judas and Peter and the others. Like, it's really great. And we see it because imagine the honor for John. God incarnate, Jesus on the planet, on the cross, speaking to John on the cross. And Jesus gives his loyal friend the task of taking care of his mom. And I think Jesus still gives his loyal friends tasks. In fact, I think the Great Commission is his friends taking seriously the last things that we have from him. And Jesus looks at John and he says, take care of her. And I love that John includes in John 19 that from that day forward he did it. Like he's just putting it in there like, and I did it, you know. Like I was, given, I was given the command and from that day forward I did it. And you just see this like loyal friend. And I just began to say what would happen if we were loyal friends to Jesus like that and if we were loyal to our friends like that. Like here's Jesus on his hardest day and how great to have a friend on your darkest day, who's just there. Like he looks down, and there's John. Ran back to the foot of the cross. I just, I don't know, moments earlier, we've got Jesus, you know, in the, at the Last Supper. John's right there next to him. And I just think, there's the loyal, faithful comrade still with me. And I believe, friends, we live in a culture where it's easy to walk with people when everybody is applauding. And it's easy to be their friend. We love to associate status-wise with people on their best day. But on their hardest day, we flee. But imagine what it looks like to people that don't even know Jesus if you will walk with them and love them and know them and associate with them even on their darkest day even on their hardest day. If you'll walk with people on the hardest day, there creates this bond, there creates this love, there creates this what's with you, why are you different? And you know that it's Christ in you. Because you know that without Jesus, you'd just be like everybody else living for self. But because of Jesus, you're in the midst of your life that's consumed with all kinds of things and you see people in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their brokenness, and you step in and you stand with them on their darkest day. Renata and I, um, you know, I, I started ministry in 1995 and uh, things went really well and um, got hired on staff at a church in Colorado in 2000 and everything was going good and our big church was getting bigger and it was going well. In 2006, we had the unexplainable happen where our pastor was quickly removed 
because of immorality and a scandal. I was 29 years old and everything in my life up to that point had just kind of gone well. I just remember the shame, the pain, the fear, the embarrassment. I'll just never forget there was this moment where I had a friend and he called me and he was, it was a Saturday and we'd already found out that it was final but they were going to make the announcement to the church the next day on Sunday. And so he called me and he said, hey, David, I'm going to fly out tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I'm going to be there. I just want to sit with you and Renata in the service and and take you and Renata to lunch. I just want to be there with you on what could be one of the hardest days of your life. I remember at 29 getting the phone call and didn't really comprehend all that was going on. I just kind of said, okay, okay. And he arrived, and I'll never forget, sitting on the front row, and he's just there with me, and he'd been kind of like a hero, a couple decades older than me, and and he's just looking straight ahead. And just the strength the gratitude we went to lunch he prayed for us he started calling me invited me down to his house Texas he just loved me in a dark dark season about three years later I got a text that his daughter had been in a tragic accident. I remember where I was, the Denver airport, when I got the text. I just, I broke. I was so grateful for him. I was so grateful for his friendship. And what he meant to me in my darkest hour. And I uh, called my boss. I said, I won't be there tomorrow. And I jumped on an airplane. And I flew, landed, caught a taxi to the hospital where he and his family were. And I just sat. Just sat there in the waiting room. And he walked out. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, you were there on my darkest day. I'm here for you, on yours. And I'm just telling you, friends, it's easy to stand with people when everything's good and you're good, they're good. But it looks a lot like Jesus. It creates a bond that the w- baffles the planet when we can love each other on, our, on people's darkest day. And I want to invite you to just swing the bat, try. Look for people that instead of just, just kind of muffling and kind of forgetting about it when they're going through something hard, call them. 
Buy him something. Do something for him. And listen, I know the temptation is to just say, hey, let me know if I can do anything for you, but let me tell you, we live in America where individualism is rampant and everybody is self-reliant. Nobody's gonna call you and say, hey, I need something. Don't do that. Just do something. Just put the gift card in the mail. Just do something. Go be with them. Just be there with them on their darkest day. I promise you, most people feel like their lives are filled with Judas's and Peter's. And everybody would give a lot to just have a John. But on your darkest day, you look over and he's just there. My prayer is that we would be that for each other. That we would love each other like that. Not perfect, but committed. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radian Church Podcast.